Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Playful Podcast, your guide into the underground scene where we discover topics on kink and electronic music every week. Don't forget to subscribe to not miss out on our next episode. In this episode, we speak to Mistress Eva O and talk about how she started out as a dominatrix behind a mask, why she removed the mask and became a public dominatrix, how she until today built a femdom empire where she has over 29,000 subs. We speak about how BDSM and latex culture has become mainstream and how that affects sex workers as well as her hopes and fears for the kink scene. I am Amanda and this is Playful Podcast. To just dive right in, when did you realize you were kinky and like how did it become your lifestyle? (laughs) I realized um, maybe a few years into working as a dominatrix. What? <laughs> I started professionally before I start I started personally. Yeah. So uh an ex of mine suggested just as a joke that I should consider becoming a dominatrix when I had nothing to do with it. But it was um a joke because of how assertive I am when I communicate. Not really anything sexually. But um in this gap when I wanted to move away from the corporate sector, I found this dungeon. And they were training people and I just followed the joke. <laughs> and I mean, the first day that I had my first session, I was incredibly happy with the process. But I don't think I realized that that meant that I was kinky. I just thought that I was having a good time. I think that a lot of people probably practice kinky things uh, without realizing it or maybe even naming it. And I was probably practicing what we can call femdom or female dominance forever, (laughs) but I didn't realize that there was a terminology for it. Um, So, I mean, if we name things, do they become our reality? Maybe they give us an opportunity to delve into them more, but I don't see how it doesn't just exist in a lot of us already anyway. Yeah. 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 And what does it mean to be? 
because you mentioned femdom mm-hmm. and what does it mean to be a femdom or like a mistress? So female domination is a subsector of BDSM where the female femme identifying person uh, is running the show, so to speak, and giving the commands in the dominant position with somebody who follows them. And <laughs> this to me was because I grew up in a household like this was just the norm. And you grew I, up in a household that was female-led mostly. Ah, okay. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so I didn't realize that this was something challenging for a lot of people until you know in my early twenties, and I'm having relationships, and people are questioning why I have an opinion. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. wow! It's, it's like <laughs> yeah. backwards for compared to to many yeah. of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You a lot of people. I had to learn how to. Um, like placate myself to uh, a male like uh, opinion, uh, whereas I guess a lot of people have to learn how to, a lot of femme-identifying folks have to learn how to express theirs. Mm-hmm. But um, when it comes to the term mistress, it's commonly understood as a mistress in opposition or in accordance with a submissive or slave normally. So it's like an ownership kind of a relationship so the mistress is the one that that owns the submissive and uh so therefore the relationship kind of grows from that aspect as opposed to maybe daddy baby girl which you can imagine what kind of (laughs) instructions might come out of that what kind of uh, nurturing might come out of that yeah so it's a little bit different in how its role is in the world of possible roles so you had uh like a private relationship that was where you were also more so acting as a mistress or that was something you discovered after working as a mistress or mm, I feel like I was having probably very equal relationships whereas maybe <laughs> a lot of women uh don't very clearly or at least maybe I'm too old <laughs> But at least over a decade ago, uh, it wasn't common for you to ask for what you wanted in very clear terms as a woman, I think. And I think that was why my ex-partner made that joke. But I was some um, unfortunate joke. But I <laughs> I wasn't in a mistress-slave uh, relationship until after. I discovered the dungeon and all of these other workers who had private relationships like that and what that looked like and that it could be non-sexual, that it could be service-led. So it's about the slaves maybe doing things for you, um, you asking things of them as opposed to just uh, intimacy in terms of sexuality. Mm. Yeah, so you, but you always felt comfortable with your own sexuality and asking for what you wanted yeah. in that kind of sense, like for mm. your upbringing were your parents speaking like about sex with you openly or no definitely not speaking about sex openly but somehow pleasure was there wasn't shame around pleasure in in my household Uh, people (laughs) succumbed to their whims whether it was food whether it was like comforts of the home whether it's uh, relationships that they were happy or not happy to have and why so 
sexuality was not a topic i think that's common <laughs> especially in a lot of asians environments but uh following like questioning whether i was comfortable why are you comfortable or uncomfortable what can we do about it that was always a dialogue oh wow like yeah. very uh, emotionally intelligent yeah and giving a lot of agency to me even when i was very young and so i think that kind of just laid a groundwork for me to be like of course i should get receive pleasure and ask her for it how i want it and that's how i will get it oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, right. so did yeah. you ever experience any situation where you felt shame around sex uh i think i've only felt i don't know if i would say shame per se but i've felt difficulty expressing that i was a sex worker to people for a while now i'm fine with it except in scenarios where i feel like it might cause me harm but what are those situations um sometimes amongst certain authorities um sometimes amongst um let's say a very uh violent uh <laughs> far right groups oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you you yeah. meet them sometimes sometimes you come across them Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, just individuals out and about. Ah, okay. Displaying yeah. there and then it's about just laying small questions and groundwork without putting yourself in danger. Yeah. So what do you do for work? <laughs> <laughs> what do you say then? In those scenarios, um I'll tell them uh I have I used to have some vanilla businesses, so I'll just like dip into those facts and yeah. So you don't lie then. I don't I don't lie. I don't know how to do that very effectively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I also really suck on that. Like yeah. you can tell because I get you get like <laughs> start to blink the eyes real quick or yeah. like get awkward or yeah. very warm. <laughs> so obvious. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by The Code, which makes me super excited as I'm a big fan of them and what they do. I bet you who are joining me in this interview and listening to Playful Podcast is just like I am excited about Berlin's club scene. Maybe you even live in Berlin and if so, you know that part of the fun is getting dressed up and ready for the evening. At some clubs it's even a necessity and in my case it always creates a tingling feeling in my body whenever I'm getting ready for a club and put that extra love to what I wear. This is why I'm so excited to tell you about The Code, which is so much more than a shop. I would say it's almost like a force. Not only do they work with so many independent local designers who are already part of the scene, but they genuinely love club culture, kink parties and techno. They have a beautiful space that's located just in front of KitKat. Convenient, right? The Code was launched from the Berlin fetish and club scene. And this is why they are authentically shining a light on independent designers and artists that are creating the aesthetics of the Berlin underground. Whether you're going to KitKat Bergheim or a private party or even want to surprise your partner, the code is the space where individuals can explore and embrace their own kink, sensuality and hedonism. Except the most fabulous and sexy clothes, the code also offers various jewelry and sex-related products. The code is a sex-positive space where anyone can feel comfortable stepping out of the norm with respect support and without judgment so whether you're new to the fetish and club scene or if you've been in the game for long the code is the perfect place for you before you go out in berlin 
thankfully, you, for you who don't live in Berlin, you can look at their website and on their social media, like Instagram, to find inspiration and even order pieces. And you'll get an immediate feel that this is something else. This is the place almost like a community for people who are passionate about club culture, fetish wear and techno. And you are invited in. And one thing that I really love about them, besides their support for local designers, is that they really see you when you're entering the store. They take such good care of you inside there and I promise you, you're gonna feel like a star. Therefore, if you're living in Berlin, celebrate the weekend a little early and go to their store on Köpenickerstrasse in front of KitKat to dwell in their amazing energy and get to look at and even try out some beautiful and handmade pieces. You're gonna have an amazing time, I promise you that. Thank you, the code. <laughs> But so you found your community then before <laughs> you knew you were into, into it. BDSM. Yeah, and I wouldn't say that I even called them my community. I mean, they were my colleagues. You know, back in the dungeon, there were other mistresses, and I went to the odd party with them sometimes, but we didn't really socialize too much. And then, because I was not the youngest age-wise, but I was the youngest to join, mm. and so I kind of saw everybody as a mentor also and i guess i i couldn't maybe a hierarchy thing for me from an asian background i think it was hard for me to see them as my peers so to speak yeah and so and i kept quiet to myself i didn't really understand how to um have community in this for many many years but when i decided to come face out because of an online business i was starting because I was covering my eyes up till ah. maybe like five years ago or something. Hmm. Um, I joined social media and that's when I saw Twitter and all of the BDSM Twitter and the dialogues that were happening there. And that's when I started to understand that, oh, this is how I expand my mind and feel comfortable about what I'm doing <laughs> and how to express that. Yeah, that's so it was Twitter five years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But did you cover your face because you were not outed or? Yeah, I, well, I didn't tell my family. Um, and also I was. I was unsure. I don't think I had a very clear, critical understanding of why I was doing that. But I think a part of me was unsure how to release my identity as that into the world just yet. Yeah. Yeah. And then how did you uh, like talk about it with your family? And how was that process? <laughs> I planned it and nothing went to plan, of course. I was like, I was taking them on a trip. I'm going to tell them during this trip. And if this happens, then I, at least I'll do that. If this happens, and then nothing, none of it happens. And then everybody parts way. And then in the family chat, uh, there's like only four of us. I, I write, so I'm staying back for work. And they're like, what work? And I'm like, mm domination <laughs> like in like whatsapp <laughs> and then my mother's like really and then i said yes please let me know if you have any questions and she said i'm gonna need time to digest this oh. yeah but um and we didn't talk about it but everything was like normal and then a month later we went on another trip and she uh as soon as she had like alone time with me she asked a series of incredible questions Oh yeah, yeah. Like, uh, what 
is your motivation? What are their motivations? What does the exchange look like? What does it look like when you're not together? Oh, wow, I love that. Yeah, so like really like thoughtful questions. And I thought, wow, shit, I shouldn't have waited for seven years to tell her. Oh. <laughs> Can I steal her question and ask <laughs> yeah. what the motivation is for you? The mo- My motivation? Yeah. This shifts quite a lot. I would say that the financial rewards are are really great (laughs) and the freedom when it comes to the job in and of itself. I think that the emotional aspects and the creative aspects, uh, I'm kind of unable to touch that in any other medium. I think for me, my art is human interaction and how to play with, with that and their minds and I don't know how to do that outside of that space in a consensual manner. (laughs) I'm not somebody who's going to go and like, can you swear on this show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not somebody who's going to go and like fuck with the, the corner shop person or like the person on the street. Mm-hmm. But in a container, I quite enjoy how far you can reach with that. Mm. Yeah. And so I'm very satisfied with that as well. Yeah. yeah. And the other question was mm-hmm. the subs motivation. Yes. This is also very different all the time. But I think it's essentially relationship yeah and acceptance i think that's probably the base of it i think when it comes to the subs um a lot of it when i say acceptance is uh, that they have had this motivation to to not lead to follow and i think that a lot of men are often taught that they need to lead and i think that is a heavy weight and a heavy burden for anybody who feels like they always have to be in charge, right? In charge of their life, in charge of the world around them. And I think it's probably not everybody's personality, Mm. not every man's personality. And so it's something that they kind of keep aside and then they go and they hire somebody Mm. because they they can't have it in their normal life. And that's kind of where I have come in. Yeah. And so it's finally being accepted for this side that they haven't been able to express. Uh, I think that's what I mean by acceptance. Mm. And speaking of, there's like an assumption Mm. uh, that is, I think it comes from films or whatever, but that a lot of people in high positions who are like taking a lot of difficult decisions all the time enjoy also to feel like lose control would you say also that's to some degree correct or it's hard to say i think that anyone in any position anywhere <laughs> uh probably feels the pressure of living yeah mm. i don't think it's uh, relegated to people who have to make big important decisions i think important decisions exist in our everyday for everybody mm. And to feel like somebody is looking out for you and in the context of a sexuality as well is probably quite a release. Yeah. Mm. Do you also feel that it's a release for you? Like, do you also enjoy being a, a sub sometimes? Or mm. I think that how I do it is I, not so much sexually, but I think when it comes to my day-to-day life, there are some aspects where I definitely just let go <laughs> yeah i just ask my parents what i should do <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So it's just relying on my community. I I found it. I bottom, especially in party contexts with my friends. I'm very happy for especially professionals to utilize me as a bottom. But I think um, psychologically, I haven't stepped into a submissive space in at least not in the ways that I interact with normally. And you also mentioned that you can sometimes come across people who don't accept sex workers. Mm-hmm. And what do you think like a strong community means? Or what does it mean to you today? Mm-hmm. Um, as a like a sex working community? Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that being around sex workers at various stages of their work lives, at various stages of accepting their place where society has placed them, I think it has uh, informed me on what decriminalization means, on how that sits in society, on why it doesn't sit in society. I think it's been able to bolster how I understand my place in the world and therefore be able to stand for what is better for all of us going forward. So I think it's been very informative in that way. And then all the emotional things that come from that also from being informed i guess yeah Yeah. and it's also really fun (laughs) because people you know a sex worker who's worked for you know long enough seen enough people you see such vulnerable aspects of other people and there's some patterns that really emerge and you learn how to navigate them how to play with them how to make it a sustainable business also and that changes a person you know you become a lot more creative I think with the people that you meet and that makes for some very interesting uh, possibilities so when you interact when I interact with another sex worker you know the jokes that can be had the emotional places that you can go to safely uh, and understand that they can come back from it you know there's a lot more play that's almost Mm available to you yeah yeah (laughs) it can be quite fun and when you um and then we call people who don't do sex work civilians and then when you kind of move away from that space and you're around civilians for a period of time you can be reminded like oh okay these are jokes for within the community or these are head spaces that other people are not ready to go to yet Mm, yeah yeah yeah. Mm. and like speaking of creativity within Mm. the work field feels like you are very creative and like you have also an entrepreneurial spirit Mm. like you can (laughs) like any freelancer like i think it can be really hard for some like i think it really depends on how your ability to to see what's in demand and what you know your own qualities i think there's so much stuff that you know you need to be aware of Mm. to be able to be successful as a freelancer Mm -hmm. at least that's how i feel yeah no definitely um and it feels like you very much have a sense of knowing and you know like you can see uh potentials Mm -hmm. and so now today you have like 20 tell me if i'm wrong Twenty six thousand slaves or subs i have um i think about 20 close to twenty eight thousand online oh yeah that, but this is over time. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it's all um, within my site, youwillpleaseme.com, which is for the most part automated. 
Yeah. So it's courseware. It's a courseware membership site, essentially. So it's just been the thousands of people that have come through there over the last yeah five years or so. Yeah. Bravo. Thank That's you. Fucking incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You If, must be so proud. Um, proud. <laughs> uh, it's very satisfying to see your concept and your hopes for something come to fruition. Mm, proud? I don't know. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> what are your like hopes and my hopes for the site or just in general? Yeah. Yeah. In general. For my work or for everything? Yeah, for your work. <laughs> for the scene, I guess. For my work and for the scene. I mean, there's this uh, argument that things will become more homogenized if things are um, more accepted and there is like a, a, a luster that is lost when things are no longer forbidden, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that as humans we're always going to be suffering and we're always going to be um sidelining things but they can become more nuanced and less overtly hurtful so i guess what i'm trying to say is i hope that things are more accepted and legislatively so as well and therefore society can start to integrate them but um But yeah, for those who <laughs> feel like they see too much of um, kink around and that it's being adopted, I think that that has an argument to be said, but it's also, it's, I think it's good for all of us. Mm, yeah. yeah, we're going to speak a little bit more yeah. about that soon. Yeah. But I'm also curious, like, what kind of courses like oh, you have on the site yeah it's things like really basic like how to look at my photos well how i want you to feel and what how i want you to interact with them as opposed to just jerking off to them or whatever And then also like how I like my feet worshipped. This is how I like it massaged. This is the cream that I use. This is like a, a tease and I want you to interact with the tease, you know. So it's just like different facets of how it might be like to interact with me. And they're all video courses and little quizzes. And <laughs> That's so it's cute. It's fun. It's super cute. It's like, <laughs> it's so cute. It's not even cute. <laughs> Because I mean... Imagine 26 people, they want to know how they can massage your feet mm. in the best way possible. Mm -mm. That's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, how, whether they actually manage to is another thing, but they have the instructions. So Yeah, <laughs> you always have good self-confidence. Yeah, that's one thing I haven't struggled with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, born with. Oh, no, it's it's your family, isn't it? It's your childhood. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Mm. And I've... This, I mean, I do come from a, <laughs> like a, a definitely intelligent enough and like acceptable for society enough family, and they've been in positions of acceptance, and so there wasn't really any. Um, but even so, there wasn't a lot of conversation about having to maintain that, like in the family. So I think it was just easeful, you know. Mm -hmm. They achieved things, and that was that. And maybe we need to think a little bit about a strategy for a future, but we're not going to dwell on it either. So I think that probably lays the groundwork for a confident person to yeah. emerge. Yeah. But I feel like I got a lot of uh, security from family. But mm -hmm. then I was I remember as a kid or a teenager that I was sometimes shocked by mm -hmm. people like in my class or whatever 
what people said to each other and to me. Oh. And that that was like, oh, whoa. What would they it, say? You no, know, like any, it could be anything. It could be like, this person is so ugly. You know, oh. like kids are pretty rough. Yeah. And that, but if you have a confidence, I guess you don't, and you speak about it at home, I guess it's easier to come like around it. Yeah. I mean, it's also someone else's opinion. And it's also informed by maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe the place that they're coming from culturally doesn't see that as good. Yeah. And so I guess yeah. yeah, family does a lot with making you realize that it comes from a, a, a place that isn't an opinion. It comes from something else. It doesn't have to touch you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I I come from a very, like, um, my family's Chinese, Malaysian, Burmese, English, Irish. It's, like, super mixed. One looks black, one looks like this, one looks white. You know, so I think, and we and I traveled a lot while I was growing up. School yeah. to school, school to you school. grew up in England? <clears throat> so mostly in Southeast Asia and Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and there was different languages. So I think when you understand that there's such variety that there isn't a singular thing that needs to be abided by in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an opinion like that's ugly. It's like to you. To you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe today. Yeah. <laughs> Now we have come to the extra material where you as a Patreon gets to listen to Eva O's masterclass where Eva gives her top tips on how to find your inner dom, how you can bring kinky games into the bedroom and how to get started with that as well as how to find what you are into. Go to patreon.com slash playful magazine and listen. So you really found a job that you are made for you felt i think that my life is fairly cohesive and i feel like it always has been but yeah probably the job right now gives me the most opportunity to really step into that Mm. yeah what are like some assumptions that people have about dominatrixes and femdom that are not true (laughs) (laughs) they are not true I'm sure maybe there are some that are true. <laughs> okay, we can, we can talk about those too. But untrue, I think the most shocking one is definitely as like femdom, as the dominatrix that works with mostly men, that you hate men. I think that's a very strange one to me. And that was one I found out about very early on. And I mean, it, it often comes from, actually no, it comes from, it comes from everyone. Mm. Yeah, all sorts. And I, I, I don't know how, I guess they think that the job is about hitting people. Uh, but which, actually, it also makes, makes me think about yeah. that some, it's a little bit like black lives matter. No, white lives also matters. Or like being a feminist and this like feminist hates men. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. some people who just don't understand. Mm. I feel that it's similar in some way. So when it comes from women, it's normally women who have rage towards men. Who are saying, oh, yeah, I understand why you do it. I'm like, oh, that's not really why yeah. I'm doing it. <laughs> I have to be around them a lot. I cannot hate them. Yeah. And that would be really bad. That would be really unhealthy for you. Yeah. yeah. And then when it comes from men, it's often because they're caught in that space where they would actually like to submit. Mm. Yeah. and But they're battling that with themselves. That's kind of how I've seen it emerge. But uh, <laughs> but if when it comes to truthfulness, I don't know, actually. I don't think people really fully understand 
the, the, the job and the dynamics enough until they're sitting in a session yeah. to really be able to speak a truth to it. But how would you describe a session? Mm, everyone's going to run their work differently. Uh, for me, before people come to me these days, I have a little bit of an awareness of how they found me, why they're interested in me, what they would like to explore, what their experience is. And I kind of weave those things into an idea. And then when I meet them, we talk quite a lot to start. And then I take that information and I kind of let it feed into what I'm going to bother to try to do with them. Mm. Um, and I'm talking a lot, actually, during the session, most of the times. I'd say there's very few clients that I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't say anything. But then that's like all this like moving their mind where I want them to go. Yeah. In the order for them to have a good time and for me to, yeah, have a good time out of their good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and this could be, you know, even very simply just mind games over dinner, or it could be in a very classic dungeon scenario where, I found that they need to be strapped to a wall in order to like actually realize that they can't go anywhere and it's just time to surrender. Mm. Yeah. Have it, you also had it like has it also always been easy for you to read people? I think um I don't have a dialogue in my head about how I am and I think that gives me oh. a lot of space to see how other people are. Oh, I think I have that too. Yeah. That's I never yeah, that's very yeah. like I don't think about myself from outside yeah. really. Yeah. Because I I know that some of my friends they mm. are like we talked about this and mm. and yeah, it's different from person to person mm. how you see the world and how you your brain works, I guess yeah. in this sense. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I only like realized this many years into the job. I of course you only understand your own perspective but then you start to hear how people are like oh but I thought that maybe you thought of me like this or maybe you thought this of this and I'm like oh that's a lot <laughs> I was here and I was looking at you and that was it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so so uh, I think that gives you a lot more room to read people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh and like speaking of like We were talking a little bit about it uh, recently, but that um, today it feels like BDSM is getting more and more uh, normalized. Mm -hmm. Like there's this show on Netflix that I watched. Mm -hmm. Did you see it? Like the making a BDSM dungeon. Oh, making a sex room. Oh, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> With a lovely lady and uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was really sweet. Mm. Um, What did you think of the show? Like. Like what do you think it was accurate? Do you think it was like I don't think it was accurate. made up. Yeah. No. No, I yeah. think it was like uh I think it was like normal couples mm -hmm. who had a little bit I don't know if they were paying for it themselves, but it feels like they had a little bit more money. They could like create a full room. You know, they have maybe more space than a lot of mm. other people have. Yeah. And um And I think it was really interesting because it was some people who lived like in the on the in the countryside and they had like almost no contact with other people. But they, I, I, I was really impressed by their relationship mm -hmm. that they had. Uh, they seemed so happy without having 
any <laughs> social life. Like they had their family and then they had their sex life. And that mm-hmm. was like really saying a lot about their happiness in my view on their life. Mm-hmm. So I think that was really beautiful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like uh, f- being excited about finding new ways of pleasure Mm. if so what you were saying also it can be food it can be like sex it can be cushions yeah (laughs) anything but that's like some if you if you're not curious about these things you lose a big part of life and i feel that was a great message if Mm. it was but i feel it somehow it was and also her the lady was normalizing it a lot because she was a little bit older and like looked like a cute grandma or something you know yeah yeah yeah. so and it's not only that it's also the fashion industry Mm -hmm. like you see kim kardashian going in a complete uh latex latex suit this is actually interesting though because Kim Kardashian can go in a full complete latex suit, even yeah. with the cap on. I don't know if she had that on, but I think so. But when we post mm. videos of latex people, it gets removed immediately. Mm. So yeah. I don't really understand it, but maybe there's an explanation or I don't know how. Uh, the explanation yeah. is they have money and we don't. <laughs> that they have in comparison. more followers or... Yeah, well, they have more followers because they have the marketing to be able to achieve that. And in order to achieve that, they have a show. Why do they have a show? Because they have privileged enough position that includes status and money. And, you know, it's just a capitalist system where all these things are prized and they are in a position of power. And in positions of power, you can escape so many things, you know. And then when things come up on there, it's not as as affected. Mm. They have a verification because they have this contact and oh yeah, yeah. Because they're with this agency, whatever. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's just it's they're they're not living in the same reality as yeah. I guess there's algorithms within the algorithm, of course. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But if we if we think about how it has like shifted mm. over the years. Like it's been very underground Mm -hmm. and then today it's to some degree a lot more fashionable. Yeah. Mm, I think it's always been fashionable for a long time. You know, people have utilized fetish imagery for many decades Mm. Uh, and as well as the fashion aspect of things. I think it's visual. People understand a visual communication more easily and they can identify with it. And how do I feel about that being popularized? I think for historically, it's always been something that's existed and that doesn't puzzle me. Um, I think that when you see things like what you speak of, how uh, Kim Kardashian can wear a gimp suit and maybe I can't (laughs) Um, for whatever reasons of privilege, I think that we now have a very clear way of seeing how privilege works around uh fashion and bodies yeah and and bodies yes and bodies. very important yeah <clears throat> yeah how hers is so um very well monetized that it's allowed space and mine is uh, less of interest and less um valuable monetarily and is given less space <laughs> mm, yeah. and this is to be dictated by 
corporate interests that are run by uh, often Christian <laughs> legacy morals, right? All your MasterCards and your Visas, et cetera, which <laughs> is what runs a lot of these platforms. Um, but I think that when it comes to shows, like I, I've heard that Sex Room show given like quite a lot of slack, but I also don't have so much of a problem with it. I think when it came to their kink stuff, they actually used proper makers. Like I recognized a metal bound chair and I think they use metal bound also for like a cage who's like a proper kink maker. It's not like you just got some random person to do it. And it's done in a very subtle way also. And it's, I think it's good, you know, that this is, a show that's accepted and of interest to people. And I mean, and that sexuality in general is an acceptable topic now. And it's a topic that's being sold again. Yeah, because we are still in that system of sorts. Mm. Mm. But would you say it means something for sex workers? Mm. Or like, does it affect them in any way? Well, for example, when it comes to that show Bonding on Netflix, mm. their first <laughs> their first um, series it was wildly inaccurate in some very dangerous ways, and it also gave this like, like on Twitter they used the main character as the Twitter um, account, and it was a mistress, and she immediately was verified, right? And so it was just like. It was this feeling like, so you have this character that you can monetize and that you can verify, but all of us, we have to be really careful about what we say. We have to market market as this. We can't post that. And it's just like, all right, okay. So there is an injustice at work, but they had a lot of backlash. And because of that, they actually recruited, I'm not sure if I can tell you who they recruited, but they recruited people from the community to properly consult and then they hired people from the communities acts in it so i think as long as there's a potential for a dialogue to happen and that people are open to being responsible or held accountable i think that it's i think it's worthwhile that we are more and more in a public eye yeah also because i mean there there's this People are are more open to speaking about gender fluidity about sexuality now because there were moments in time where it was in the shadows and it was brought out by louder and louder voices. It was eventually legislated that homosexuality is not a crime, at mm. least here, you yeah. know, maybe where I originally come from, it still is. But mm. it's because of movements like that and more and more visibility that things were becoming a part of legislation and therefore culture, you know. I know it's intermixed, but in in terms of this particular point, I think that's kind of the progression of events, mm. and I think it's important that we we don't shut up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is why, you know, I do these things. Why I talk. Why I I feel comfortable with my face now. Why when people say, "Can I have an interview?" I say yes. You know, it's because it's important that sex workers speak for themselves, and that we make ourselves available if it's safe for you to do so or safer to you, for you to do so. Yeah. How do you think like sex workers can reclaim their narrative? Mm. Well, uh, like like this, like me talking to you now, like um are there more ways doing what we can I mean the issues with social media is that you kind of self-censor 
because you fear that your voice will be taken. But I feel like, you know, working, trying to push back against that and trying to just be visible is also useful. I think when you see something incorrect, like in that bonding show, to speak up, to approach them, to offer. So people contacted or sex workers contacted them. We like had like a a little shit storm (laughs) around their social media and we we have contacts a lot of our workers are also writers and and also in legal positions and so many you know it's a lot of us have other skills and so i think i think it might have been like a contact or it might even have been a worker with like dazed or vice or something and we wrote about uh, how it was incorrect and what could be done better and i think that all of these things kind of came together I feel like, for example, on uh, TikTok, mm. it's like you cannot, like the video we po- post of bloodstream was de- deleted immediately. Mm. And we were like very much questioning it. And then um, we spoke about it and we were like, why is that? And people said like, because they don't want to deal with all the uh, parents complaining about the platform being filled with sexualized content or whatever that it's the easy way out for them i don't know if it's they don't want to deal i think they want to continue having a profitable revenue stream yeah well yeah and in order to do that you have to be able to accept payments in order to accept payments you have to abide by the regulations that payment processors lay down payment processors that are you know i already mentioned it a little bit but that are run by interests that are very much laden in um old <laughs> old uh christian based morals christian based yes mm. yes exactly mm. that's very true but because it's all american you know all of these companies yeah, yeah like the payments mm. yeah exactly and we yeah if banks is also very we i learned through the mm. podcast mm. Also, that banks don't let sex workers have an account. Depends what country, but it is still very difficult, even in decriminalized um, areas. <laughs> if <laughs> uh, I think probably in fully decriminalized areas such as New Zealand and New South Wales in Australia, I think that you can probably build a case if somebody's going to shut you down on the basis of that. Oh, but anywhere else they can do that. Yeah, hmm. it's. Um, it's structural violence, right? It's like you're limiting somebody's ability to earn money to support themselves and their dependents. And yeah. yeah. Do you see that changing in the future? Well, I mean, it has already changed a little bit in some jurisdictions during my lifetime. So I can only hope that it will continue to do so. And there are many organizations around the world who work in their little pockets of nations to shift legislation so yeah hopefully and how do you see the bdsm scene over like in broad changing in the future um i think even in my lifetime it's become much more visible in asia i can't speak for so many other continents i can only really speak for what i see in america europe to a certain extent and asia and australia but from it's still in the shadows, but at least there's small community around it. Yeah, it's a 
in in Asia these days, which is nice. Mm. Uh, and then when it comes to very developed and like more free and open societies, say, you know, like maybe here or in England to a certain extent. I mean, you start to really see the nuance, like w- with anything where you let it open and let it rain, nuance starts to show itself, mm-hmm. you know? So you get people like Club Verboten existing, you get people like Paraphilia Collective existing in England who are creating a lot of really intelligent dialogue about what does BDSM mean and how can we play with it rather than just like meeting and playing or whatever, you know? So I think it has the potential to just become a richer, more diverse space. And I don't know if it's something that I hope for, but it's just that's just how culture shifts, I think. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So more normalized. Yeah. And more room to develop itself. I guess back mm. to like how I was saying before, you know, I think a lot of people are kinky without knowing it, but when you name something and you give it a place in your life, you give it the opportunity to develop itself more within your own understanding of it or within the world around you. And I think it would be the same. Do you have any fears for for, for the scene in the future? For the scene, for all of us, for anybody. I mean, just the fears that have probably been with us for the lifetime of humanity <laughs> to take it lightly <laughs> the fears that people will suffer you know and mm. people will when you speak up people will suffer once it's accepted people still suffer and i just hope that that lessens you know over time but it's really hard to really say because these things can also just go in waves you know, acceptance, rejection, you know. Mm. I, I think that I would maybe hope for the ability to have um, a measured dialogue and therefore more stable people, government societies in order to do so because then I guess the suffering will lessen. But in general, unfortunately... Things just move in waves. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that really answers the question. Yeah, but <laughs> I, feel, I feel, yeah, yeah, I feel it does. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. It's either this or it's that. This is this or that. So yeah, you say which one uh-huh. you prefer. I prefer. Okay, yeah? okay. Uh, Big city life or nature? Oh, big city life. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Hard to choose. <laughs> polyamorous or monogamous? Polyamorous. Uh, true crime or romantic comedies? Oh God. I don't really like either. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> What do you watch instead? Um... Is is really quite pathetic. My my mother wouldn't let me watch anything not educational when I was young, and I'm still like watching documentaries yeah, mostly. <laughs> She indoctrinated me very well. <laughs> uh, Berlin 
or London? Oh no! I'll say London because I have more friends who will beat me up if I don't say it. <laughs> What do you feel is the different like tagline for the both cities? Oh. tagline like no, how many I, words or just a really sensation <laughs> maybe well, a descriptive maybe sentence. descriptive i think berlin you're kind of like it's chaos and you're you've really got to have your own back and it can bring a lot of magic because of that and because everyone's kind of doing that um london it's a lot more um strict in a lot of ways and uptight but that creates a different kind of rebellion that's also quite exciting Mm. oh great yeah (laughs) okay private play parties or big sex clubs i've been to more better private play parties i'll say private yeah but carl Carl, you do great (laughs) (laughs) for both shout out to club (laughs) (laughs) and honey yeah Uh, male or female subs Oh, <laughs> those who are far more fluid than that. Can I say that? Yes, that's a perfect, <laughs> that's a great answer. Yeah. All right, thank you so fun. much. <laughs> thank you. This was it for Playful Podcast this week, but please follow, subscribe, and listen to our next episode. And if you want to have a say about future artists or even ask your own question to one of our guests, Follow us on Instagram and make sure to add your question when we lift our coming guests. Thank you so much for joining and see you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.